This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, what a good goal! Far post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Here we are then, uh, a new episode of The Low Strangers, a loss to Port Vale, boo-hoo. But here to talk about it, firstly, is Mr. Dan Hunt, owner of a new home. Well done, Dan. Thank you very much. I bought it myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How is With life... the help of a large mortgage. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and how is all that going? Uh, it's been it's been a manic week. I was pleased to uh, get out of the house and uh, take my four-year-old to his first ever Swindon Town game today, so... I could have picked a better one, but he's probably getting a better uh, adjustment to life as a Swindon Town fan with a 2-1 home defeat to Port Vale, let's just say that. My first game was a 2-1 home defeat to Port Vale, Dan. No way. Well, my son's going to run run the Low Strangers podcast in uh, 25 years then, that's sorted. 31 years, 31 years. And okay, okay. he'd be welcome to it by that age because I don't want to be doing this in my 60s. Um <laughs> Oh man, time is a slip in. Now, in post-production, I will put some dramatic music underneath now. Please don't. Hey, don't ruin this for me, Ben. (laughs) Returning to the pod. The last time he was on the pod, we were talking about virtual bus tours and the pending second exit of Owen Doyle. It's the original, the one (laughs) and only. It's Mr. Ben Wills. Hello, Ben. Hello, Rich. Good to be back. I wish I was better under better circumstances, but uh, good to be back nonetheless. Ben, 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 I can only apologise that I lost the key to the cupboard I put you in. We, we've we looked high and low, but we found it behind the sofa and you're back. That's fine. You kept me well fed over the past 18 months. And to be fair, uh, most people have been sort of locked in different rooms over the past 18 months. So it kind of felt natural. I felt included. It was nice. It was nice. What have you been up to? Don't answer that if it's if it's rude. <laughs> <laughs> it's not been too bad. Uh, for, for literally the zero people that are wondering why I've not been away, it's been a combination of me getting a life and uh, technological issues that don't suit the LS pod uh, operandi. So, uh, yeah, just, just to clarify, there's been no beef uh, between me, you, or anyone else uh, involved in the LS pod fam over the past 18 months or so. But uh, I am back for hopefully not one week only, but one week for now. <laughs> Dan. I don't know about you, but that I've been busy getting a life. It feels like a dig. Uh, yeah, cheers, Ben. Well, <laughs> well done on getting a life, first of all. She seems Thanks. lovely. 
<laughs> it wasn't meant to be a dick. It was more the case of uh, when back back in today, uh, I was very available, uh, and now I'm less available due to having a girlfriend. And apparently, that that requires plans now and again. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not not quite as available every weekend as I was back in uh, the good old days of 2019, 20. And cool. technological issues. That sounds like a cop out to me, Rich. What do you think? We'll, we'll, we'll let him back on probation. Um, otherwise, it's back <laughs> into the cupboard. But it's good to have you, Ben. Okay, Ben, we'll, we'll stick with you straight away. How was? Did you did you get into the concourse of the Arkles today? I wasn't in the concourse. I've seen the pictures, but uh, thankfully, I wasn't blinded by the uh, the overall redness and murder room that was the uh, the Arkles concourse by the by the looks of it. But uh, I was genuinely tempted to go and have a look at halftime because I saw the pictures during the first half, but. Uh, I avoided it and went for a coffee and biscuit instead, and I don't regret it. Dan, you weren't in the articles today, were you? I wasn't. I was in the Don Rogers stand and uh, also saw pictures. And, yeah, we speculated about this. I was in the the Swindon Cricket Club uh, having a drink pre-match, and we were talking about, we were pretty sure they were sort of translucent bits on the outside, which let light in. So, uh, yeah, it was always likely to be a red-red afternoon for those people. I'd say my first game was in the Arkles and I don't think I would ever have gone back if I was well the room of death dramatically read yeah I, I kind of wish the press box was in the in the Dodgers, but I have to deal with the Arkles and the uh, the post and the way that come with it but it's not too bad but uh yeah I felt lucky today I wasn't in like a room that was literally blinding red so that was a uh, that was nice but uh probably the first misstep of Clem's regime so we say <laughs> <laughs> okay then let's let's talk about Swindon Town 1 Port Vale 2 bad day at the office for Swindon starting with the lineups um so a few changes again Wallacott of course in goal uh, Kessler Hayden was coming back uh, with Rob Hunt on the left then Dion Conroy and Romney Critchlow in the middle in the defensive midfield Positions we had Lou Reed, followed by a full debut finally for Johnny Williams. In those attacking midfielder positions, we had Jack Payne, Ben Gladwin, and Alex Gilbert, and Tyree Simpson up front. Dan, a lot of the you know noise that I mean, I, I didn't follow this game as much as I would have liked to. I too, like Ben, have a life, sadly, involving plans <laughs> which don't involve football. Um so I, I sort of caught the early noise and people were very, very excited about that midfield. Did you feel the same way? Um, well, I like the look of that front four. Williams, Payne, Gilbert, they're all exciting players. But still, quite large passages of that first half. Simpson looked quite isolated. We weren't getting the bodies quite near him enough to make the ball stick um, a bit further back in the pitch I think Gladwin certainly seemed to be playing the, um, the sort of deeper role next to Reed, um, sort of where we would be accustomed to seeing uh, Anthony Grant um, who seems to be missing four games for this international call up now which is very frustrating I'm sure we'll talk about that later but yeah that, Gladwin playing deeper it just feels like a bit of a waste um, and I know the other options would have been to play, you know, East, who did quite well against Arsenal in the week. I thought he, thought he did quite well. But I think probably Garner was worried about the physical threat from Port Vale. And I think that's how it played out during the match. So I think Iandolo next to Reed would have been a good shout. At the back, I was quite pleased to see Garner make a, a sort of straight decision between Kessler Hayden and Odomeo. I think you've got to play one or the other. I think when you try and fit both in, you end up losing a player from higher up the pitch. So I wasn't too upset with the lineup. I just think Gladwin in deeper midfield didn't quite work. And Port Vale, to their credit, were just all over town like a rash. Every time the ball came into someone's feet, it was like they had four or five men around him. It was like they had 15 men on the pitch. And Swindon really struggled to get the ball well, through the thirds, to coin a phrase. Yeah, Ben, we've been talking a lot on this pod about, you know, the benefits of the fact that Garner picks his side based on the opposition. You know, I was waxing lyrical about it in, in the recent presser episode. And, you know, it doesn't always go away. You can't, it's not a guaranteed win. Do you think Garner set up correctly to face this Port Vale side? 
Um, I just think Garner sets up the only way he really can. I mean, we, we all know that given the summer that Swindon have had, they're quite limited in, frankly, what they've got and what they've been able to recruit. So I think my main problem with Garner Ball up to this point is that you've got about four or five players doing exactly the same job, and it's really noticeable when Grant's not available because you've got no real bite on midfield because the only players that are defensive are really Grant and Leiden, who... Uh, you know, Dad has mentioned that Lydon is pretty much semi-permanently injured. So when when you've got a game like today where there's Williams, Reed, Payne, Gladwin, Gilbert all sort of being like playmaker and they kind of get muddled and get in the way. And the only really option on the bench is Ryan East, who's also playmakery, and Mo Dabre, who we haven't really seen. Iandolo, who's been a left back for the past, you know, two years. So I, I think in terms of what Garner can do in midfield, he did what he could do with no Grant and no Lydon. But um beyond that, I don't think there's much of a a game plan, so to speak, because he has pretty much got his hands tied in for one way or another. Dan, I hope you've got your, your usual notes um, because I'm, I'm keen to learn how this game played out. So, you know, talk to me about the first half. Well, these are different times, Rich. I'm now allowed back into stadiums and uh, with my four-year-old in tow, I've, I've been reliant post-match on um, the video clips from Ian <laughs> in America. Thanks, Ian. Um, to just try and create a bit of a chronological sort of timeline. So, just a few things to raise as we sort of go through this. I think Critchlow at the back didn't look fit to me. And Terry Pierce, who was um, two seats to my right, we sort of agreed, you know, Critchlow just didn't look himself. And he was getting consistently caught out by um, the Port Vale striker, Devante Rodney, sort of balls over the top, which isn't something we've really seen from Critchlow yet. Um, and that sort of led to the first chance, a ball in behind Critchlow, Rodney out muscling him and um, a hard low shot from Rodney, which Wallacott pulled out a, a smart save. Um, at the end, other end of the pitch, we had um, sort of Gilbert and Williams, you know, the two the two probably bright sparks of Swindon in, in the first half. Gilbert had a, a shot blocked from the edge of the box, um, which fell into the path of Williams. Williams sort of flashed it across goal, but no one there to uh, no one there to finish it. A bit like Simpson did uh, for the goal at the start of the second half. So, yeah, that was probably the, the two things of note before Port Vale took the lead. Um, I don't know if either of you want to come in there on on what you saw at Critchlow today. I kind of stopped noticing it after the early exchanges because more things are going on in the game. But certainly in ten minutes, I tweeted about it twice as. Uh, and, and they were both pretty bad. And Dan mentioned the chance, which is about five minutes in, which is, you know, he's been completely done by by Rodney and got away with it thanks to a, a good Wallacott save. And then there was one instance where a winger just absolutely skinned him as well in, in 10 minutes. And luckily, um, I think Conroy or someone um, cleared the resulting cross. And the goal, the, I don't think the goal is his fault per se, but it was like sort of no coincidence that it was a, a Critchlow missed header that led to, led to the volley going in. So... Yeah, like I said, I kind of stopped noticing it. I didn't really say like like Critchlow had a shocker, but certainly the only 10, 15 minutes, he did look a bit off the pace. And I don't know if that's fitness or just a, a bad day for someone who was a, a young yeah. kid on the field. I think, yeah, this, the spirit of my comments is more, I don't think we've seen Critchlow have that type of performance. He, you know, he's normally yes. someone who covers the ground quite quickly, is quite physical. Um so yeah, I mean, it didn't help as well. He had several instances in the first half where he went down, requiring a little bit of treatment. He also got a sort of WWE clothesline to the face um, off the ball, which, having seen it again, was just really premeditated and quite nasty. Like, there was absolutely no need for Rodney to travel three or four yards and clout uh, Critchlow in the face. So um, I think on that point, you know, Port Vale did a very good job on Swindon today. They were smarter. They ran the referee better. They not only you know, were very physical and you know committed some some quite clever bits of you know, fouls which weren't. And you know, on the flip side, convincing the referee into giving fouls for them, like it was, you know. I hate to moan, but yeah, town just were lacking physicality with that grant. Port Vale, coupled with the long throws, God, that was a huge throw from the left back, Jones, over and over again, which ironically, Swindon did quite well against the long throws, but um, 
other elements of the game. Swindon really struggled to sort of get the territory back. Port Vale were just really quite astute at just pinning town in and then winning throw-ins and in, in came the ball again. What did you think, Ben? Yeah, I, I, you'll never get him complaining about the dark arts of football, as, as Rich and long-time listeners know, I'm a big fan of shithousery. So uh, if Swindon <laughs> were doing what, what Port Vale were doing, I'd find it hilarious. So I've, I've got no complaints about other people doing it. And, and Ben Garner pretty much said the same thing. He was asked about it by um, Ryan of Total. So, you know, the listeners wouldn't have heard this because it wasn't on the radio, but Garner essentially said he had no problems with Port Vale's approach. He just needs the referees to sort of referee it better. So he had no problems with yeah. you know, the time wasting and, and taking a while um, when they've been injured and in inverted commas. He just needs to ref that. If they are doing that, to add more time on. And then he had uh, <laughs> a few choice words to say about the, the clothesline that Critchler got, which I have to confess, I'm not going to have to go to the ref because I didn't see it myself until um, Ian put a video up but um, yeah it was a pretty brutal um, arm to the face that will hopefully yeah. lead to a lengthy ban um, once the FA get hold of it yeah. and just to, just to be clear you know we've had games up at Salford and um, where you know we've done similar things um, so these things do even out and I've, I think I've made that point before so you know you can't cheer too much and you can't moan too much because uh, most teams go ahead do exactly the same things. Well, it's just irritating to watch. <laughs> this is this is going to be you know a, a large part of the of the listeners' contributions, which we'll get to later. And a lot of the rhetoric there is talking about either the dark arts or gamesmanship. But something I won't say it, it annoys me, but like you've already covered, it's brilliant fun when we're doing it. And then, you know, the standard of refereeing in this in this division is not good enough when we're victims of it. And we've either just got to get involved or they've got to, you've got they've got to help out the officials to put an end to it. I mean, it's clear that Rodney did that on Critchlow because it would have been clear to the Port Vale players that this guy was having an off day. So you rattle him a bit more, right? That's what footballers yeah. do. And it's just one of those things where it's more obvious to us. But I, I don't know if I can get through a 46 season, 46 game season. And every time we lose, we blame it on, on, you know, the dark arts, which is something that we're just as guilty of doing. Yeah. 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 I've got, I've got nothing really to add to that. Like you're, I, this is a, a famous last words, but you'll never hear me complain about it. Cause like, if, if we were doing it, I'd find it funny and it is part of the game. So um, I'd more than happy go on a away day and we scrape a one nil and we're time for everything we're doing. So when another team does it to us, then, you know, fair cop, we've, we've been done. But um, fans will find it frustrating. But uh, to the credit, on the very small sample of uh, people who have replied to me on Twitter have said that, they, yeah, fair enough, I'd, I'd find it funny as when we're doing it. So generally, uh, what I've received has been in agreement, but I'm sure we'll get more from the listeners later that uh, are annoyed by it. But uh, I, I won't be. Yeah, yeah. I think the big, biggest issue was Swindon failed to combat what Port Vale were doing. Um, we had all those footballers on the pitch. But as I touched on earlier, it seemed like Port Vale had 15 players. Every time the ball came into a Swindon player's feet, absolutely swarmed upon. Swindon trying to play out from the back. Port Vale had every single member of their side, except the goalkeeper, in Swindon's half. You know, it was absolutely clear what they were doing. And the few occasions that we did try and go up to Simpson, well, that, that out ball wasn't really working either. So, yeah, Swindon do need to be wary of how teams are setting up against us and come up with some plans to combat that. I think Anthony Grant clearly helps a lot because he gives you the physicality, the experience and just a bit more size. Because um, whilst Gladwin's six foot two or six foot three, you know, he doesn't play. He doesn't play that size. Let's put it that way. Yeah, on that note, I think there's not, there's not, hopefully isn't too much of a your dad comment, but this this team might be a bit too nice. I think there's a lot of Luke Williams vibe from just about everyone, from Garner himself being the one that's got a good rep as a coach. And, you know, uh, if he is manager prior to Swindon to the team being like full of playmakers and diminutive players. So maybe they, you do need a grant back to, uh, to spice it up a bit because... Uh, this team could be a bit too nice and let the, the you know the ugly sides like Port Vale come over and do what they want to them. Yeah, I mean that midfield that Port Vale had, that five-man midfield goal scorer Ben Garrity aside, you know I think Dave Worrell, Tom Pett, Tom Conlon, and Mal Benning. That is an experienced lower league 
midfield who have been there, done that. And that, and I know it's not it's not an exact science, but that can go a long way, can it? Against a team like Swindon, who as excited as we are about them, Critchlow, uh, Gilbert, Simpson, and Hayden don't have many, and Wallacott as well, really don't have yeah. that much first team experience in in their history. Bang on, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's. We called it at the start of the season, and there's bound to be more too. There's going to be days like this where, you know, if you're trying to play the way we're trying to play and you're trying to have all of these pure footballers on the park, there's going to be sides that do this to you. And, um, you know, actually, Christmas time, Port Vale did a, quite a similar job on the Richie Wellen side at Vale Park. Yeah. I think we'd won 10 on the trot going into that. Doyle had scored in 27 matches on the trot, it felt like. And, um, yeah, you know, just savvy, street smart, all those all those phrases you can chuck in. Um, but, but, Ben, are we are we being too easy or too nice to the official? Because I'm, I'm, that's in my nature. I, you know, a couple of decisions over the years aside, I tend to give the officials the benefit of the doubt. They don't rattle me or rile me. They don't ruin my weekend. But the amount of reaction regardless of shithousery from this game is is towards the referee is that just um i'm going to say no i don't, i think league 2 and league 1 officials are what they are we, we rarely get a good one i think the other week i come in with home game with other trammy months where we had one of the ex prem refs like bobby madley and he's one of the worst that i've seen for a while so i think i think efl refs are what they are and we get used to it um, I don't think today was extraordinarily bad. I think there's a lot of, I think it's pretty standard fodder of a lot of 50-50s not quite going the way the uh, the home crowd wanted it. The Critchlow thing is really bad, but I'm not going to get angry at that because I didn't see it myself. And I'm, You could argue that a ref and two linesmen are paid to see it, but then you could also argue that a journalist is paid to see what's going on and I missed it too. So uh, I won't get angry at that one. But uh, I, I think generally it was just a lot of 50-50s that people didn't really like and a lot of time wasting that wasn't properly um, received with yellow cards, etc. But I don't think, I don't think apart, from, apart from the Grisho thing, I don't think there's anything glaringly bad that went wrong. Yeah, okay. One really wound me up and that was when Simpson sort of made a real... You know, just a faint gesture towards blocking the keeper's long kick on the edge of his box. Made no contact between goalkeeper and Simpson. And yet the keeper hits the deck, gets treatment for two minutes. I think this is during the four minutes added on at the end of the first half. Um, And yeah, Simpson got booked for that. The keeper gets a nice two minutes sit down. Um, It's just head scratchingly. Needless, mm. and just okay. allowing the portfolio goalie to just dictate what happened there. But there you go. Yeah. Well, Dan, sticking with you, describe the goal that we conceded in the first half. Yeah, not great. Down Swindon's left, Port Bell's right. Worrell, who you know, whenever I hear his name, I just think assists. He's got a lovely right foot, very good cross through the ball. Yeah, I don't think Critchlow and Hunt covered themselves in glory in the build-up from memory. But very pinpoint cross and an emphatic finish from Garrity. Properly thumped it. Thumping volley. The, I think the difference between that chance of Port Vale, which they scored, and some of the balls across Swindon Town's face a goal in earlier in the half was Port Vale actually had committed midfield runners entering into the box. It wasn't just sort of Devante Rodney and you know a host of attacking midfielders sort of a further ten yards back. So yeah, I think it was hard to argue really that Port Vale weren't worth their one nil. Um definitely not. Um and actually as the rest of the half went on, whilst we had a couple of half chances, you know, Gilbert shot from distance, which was parried comfortably by the keeper who had a sort of bizarre chance where uh, a diagonal ball was put into the box by Gladwin. Kessler Hayden went up with the keeper and a defender. The defender headed it away from the keeper and ended up sort of acrobatically clearing it off his line whilst almost kicking Kessler Hayden in the face. Uh, a lot of people around me were trying to make the case for 
dangerous play or a high boot, but I just think it was just magnificent defending because if he doesn't do that, then Kessler Hayden bundles that into the goal and it's 1-1 before half-time. But the, sort of, the big chance, you know, Devante Rodney slipped in behind our two centre-halves again just before half-time, rounded Wallacott on the left-hand edge of the box and you're expecting the worst, but luckily he just dribbled too wide, made a bit of a hash of it, and um, Swindon managed to clear shortly afterwards. So, you know, with the with the Kessler Hayden you know, near bundling into the back of the net and the Rodney chance, you know, you could have argued could have been one one undeservedly, but it could have also been a bit worse at two 0 if Rodney had uh, finished his dinner after going round Wallacott. Something that a lot of people praise this Swindon side for is, you know, they don't. They don't let their heads drop and they try and get back into the game. In the first half, was was this consistent with the rest of the season or were we struggling? I think the first half kind of petered out really, didn't it? Apart from the uh, the Rodney thing that Dan mentioned, that was just about it. I didn't have anything down in that first half apart from the goal and, and the Rodney running the keeper. And even that didn't end up in a shot. It was a cross that ended up going out for a corner after a couple of deflections. So I think that I wouldn't say Swindon responded, but I wouldn't say they slumped either, because if they did slump, they would have ended up losing like 2 or 3-0. But um, it, it, it wasn't great. They needed half-time from about the 25th minute onwards, which wasn't ideal, but Paul Vell started pretty brightly. They got a goal, which they deserved just about on play. Tony uh, didn't really do anything for 20 minutes after they conceded, and then as we'll get on to, shortly they uh, came out like a house on fire in the second half, so... I don't think Ben Garner is the, is the type to um, send a rocket at them, but whatever he did during that quarter of an hour, um, it worked. Again, this feels like something that we've done quite a lot and maybe not always with great success in terms of scoring goals, but we've certainly come out of the second half recently or this season really quite well. Yeah, it's, um, I was having this chat with a, a friend the other day. A lot of Southern Town games this year, I think it's five or six, have been nil-nil at half-time, sort of, non-event halves where Swindon haven't played very well and then sort of spring into life early in the second half. What was, what was different today, obviously, was we did actually go in 1-0 down. Um, and so the, the the first 10 minutes of the second half was really, well, not unexpected, but like really, yeah, surprising given how we played in the first half. And, um, you know, you saw a very nicely worked goal involving sort of uh, a little one-two with Gladwin before he played it back into Gilbert on the right-hand edge of the box. Lovely cross to Simpson, who, who couldn't miss at back post 1-1. Um, pleased for him to, to get another goal, certainly. But after that, there's probably another two or three chances where that was the match for Swindon. We needed to take take one of those chances. Um, you had a Gilbert little sort of trick through someone's legs and then a really powerful shot, which the keeper... Parried over. He also had another very nice Gladwin diagonal ball, which found Gilbert at the back post. Um, he sort of angled it back across goal, and Jack Payne, sort of, you know, Paul Gaskell in Euro 96 vibes, just couldn't quite slide in and, and get on the end of it. Um, and then after that, it felt like Port Vale regrouped and they just wrestled their way back into that first half pattern of being very effective, having lots of territory, lots of long throws, Swindon struggling to get out. But in that period, at the other end of the pitch, Simpson, you know, solo effort on his left foot, cutting in um, from the right, absolute peach. Um, and it's so, so deserved the goal. It's a fantastic strike back down off the crossbar. And, um, Foul to foul to no one, but uh, a Port Vale defender, which, um, as we'll come on to with the uh, Port Vale goal, you know, you need a bit of luck sometimes with where it comes off the post, and um, perhaps I'll uh, I'll let Ben talk about the Port Vale uh, Port Vale second goal, but there was certainly a uh, a bit of woodwork action chucked in there. Yeah, but Ben, before you talk about the Port Vale goal, I do think that you know the Swindon goal was really. Really quite good. Great passage of play. It deserves a little bit more, doesn't it? I think it's a sort of goal that Ben Garner would probably <laughs> devise as the perfect Ben Garner goal. I think it's a, a goal that's going to try and do quite a lot with, with 
little success because someone will overplay a pass or someone will do a terrible touch or whatever. But um, yeah, after watching it in full back, it's, it's definitely a really nice Ghana move. I'm sure they've done in training countless times where they just mm. knocked it about for ages, got it to uh, got it to Gilbert for the for the knockback. I think Pep Guardiola is famous for. Uh, just scoring the same goal over and over again where Owenga will get it and square it to, you know, Aguero in, in past times or Jesus or whoever. So, yeah, I think Ghana, that's the sort of goal that Ghana have worked on for a long time. Um, and if I was going to describe a Ghana goal, I'd probably describe uh, Tari Simpson's uh, this afternoon. Oh, man. And I just just think the occasional centimetre, the occasional moment and Tyree Simpson's season so far, which hasn't been bad, but it could be so much better. He's, he's not getting much luck, is he? Yeah, I think the uh, the word for Simpson is definitely raw. I think, um, you know, he's, he's had his fair share of misfortune and a couple of moments that stick in the mind are, you know, him shooting narrowly wide on the opening day of the season and when he's terrorising defences and, and certainly he's come close quite a few times this season, but... Hopefully um, he's he's rock and rolling now. He's got two in his last three um, league games. Both of them have been pretty similar in terms of attacking from a couple of yards out. But the first one uh, the other week was you know, a real real display of his strength to to win that ball and get it. And 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 this time there was some good movement and good position in the box. So he's definitely got a lot to learn. He's a teenager from. Ipswich, you know, like he's not going to, he's not like Premier League proven in terms of Premier League academies who are so much more advanced in their development. He's come from a, a League One, you know, Championship-ish side, uh, so he's definitely got a lot to a lot to learn, and he's only dropped one division. So, um, yeah, a lot of work to be done there. But hopefully, two in his last three games has given him the confidence to to move on now. Or to say on that point about you know where Simpson's come from and you know how we shouldn't judge him against the sort of Premier League youngsters. Sort of standards. I I attended the the Arsenal Papa John's Papa Don't Preach trophy game in the week, um, and Simpson when he came on for that last half hour, he was very good in that company. Mm. Really bullied and knocked around the uh, the young Arsenal defenders. So I think it's actually an ode to how good and how canny and how wily fourth tier defenders are actually in the sense that compared to a Premier League Academy type environment, you know, it is a very different game. And this is why I think young young forwards, um, young anyone, learn so much by going out and playing against these seasoned, hardened pros. I know it's so cliche, but I, I, I do think Simpson will continue to develop. I think Simpson is so against Academy type, isn't he? I think, especially Premier League, but even like League One Academies aren't really developing like units, big number nine target men these days. They're, they're all they're all based on a possession game and, and trying to create a perfect like I said the Guardiola goal. But uh yeah Terry Simpson's just this humongous bloke <laughs> that can play up front and be a real target man. So so yeah he's very against academy type even though he has come from you know a league one side. A lot of the word from the messages I was getting we were getting in the uh, WhatsApp group was that this could go either way. Um, both teams trying to win. Unfortunately, it was Port Vale that, that got it with um, you know just under 10 minutes to go. Ben Garrity scoring his second goal of the game. Not, not one that we'll look back and go, oh boy, and we did our best there. It was, it's not a pretty goal to concede. This was a Sheridan goal. <laughs> it's not pretty, but it's quite nice to watch in terms of the actual strike. I think... Uh, Garrity is proper part of his traction engine. Both of his goals were absolute, not screamers, they're both inside the box, but my God, he's hit those. Um, I wouldn't, would not have wanted to get in the way of those, either of those strikes. He's really worried both of them. But uh, from a defensive point of view, um, not great. And that was one that particularly annoyed Ghana, again, in his post match. I can't remember if it was a radio or not that, that asked him about that one, but he was uh, not happy with the lack of um, defender being able to get a touch to it. And he said that thing about they had three chances to get rid of it and didn't. And uh, Garrity's reacted the quickest after he hit the post. So uh, that was the goal over the two that, that particularly annoyed Garner because I'm sure he wasn't happy on the first one either. But the second one, he was uh, not best pleased. Yeah, Dan Shezabal coming back to haunt us. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I could just see Taylor Cohen tripping over someone. <laughs> no, we're not allowed to do that anymore. So uh, he'll do, an, he'll do oh. another article on the paper. So be nice to Taylor. Uh, all I said was a comment about his defending. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Johnny Grounds, like, oh, I don't know, just led on the floor. Um, yeah, it was a mess. It was a real mess. Um, 
there was one good one good bit of defending in between some of the bad. So I think let's do it in order. I think Conroy got muscled off the ball. Reed then put in a wonderful sliding challenge, which sent the ball up into the air. Uh, Critchlow and Iandolo both shouted mine, uh, managed to put each other off, um, <laughs> sent the ball back to the edge of the box. Lovely right foot strike from, I can't remember who, but he must be gutted not to have scored. Uh, if you look at the footage, he's got the sort of double teapot hands on head whilst Garrity's, um slams at home past Wallacott. Um, yeah, it's, it was a mess. It was a mess. And quite often, it's got to be a very, very good strike to get past Wallacott this season. And uh, today, there's been two, two thunder bastards um, <clears throat> lashed into the, uh, into the back of the net. Oh, it was annoying. But again, I, I don't think particularly you can argue against Port Vale being worth the win, even with Town mustering a bit more in the second half. I always felt like Port Vale sort of had this sort of strangling control over the sort of territory and the pace of the game that I can't stress enough how big the long throw was from that left back Jones, like probably 45, 50 yards at least. Yeah, after that, I think Town had some okay positions, had a nice iron the low. Across to the back post where Kessler was arriving, one of their fullbacks, Gibbons, with some very brave defending, uh, head it away from a corner. You, Mitchell Lawson was pretty bright after coming on, a few nice mazy dribbles. He had a deflected effort from the edge of the box, uh, comfortably saved. You know, another one which, you know, on another day, wrong foots the keeper and uh, goes in for two-two. Um, but yeah, it's, the story of the last ten minutes was really overhit crosses. Wasted free kicks. Um, I felt for Simpson a bit. He sort of single-handedly blocked a clearance, then out-muscled his man, won a free kick, only for Reed to swing it in and hit the first man on the near post. Oh, it's frustrating football, isn't it? <laughs> and there were the Vale fans in full voice. Super Vale are we? Oh, it's annoying. Hello, I'm Anthony Grant, and you're listening to the Loathed Strangers podcast. Okay, then let's go through Ben Garner's post-match thoughts. Thanks to No More Heroes on the Town End Forum. Um, Garner felt that it was a fair scoreline. They did what they do very well. We didn't compete well enough. We had three opportunities to clear the second goal. Passing only had fluency in spells and that we were a little flat for the first time this season and we didn't have that normal zip. There were no signs of flatness in training, so that surprised Garner somewhat. Everyone got what they needed in midweek, but they will assess his selection and review as a team. He expected us to dominate more and he'll review with staff uh, and then the players afterwards. Simpson's goal was, of course, brilliant. Even in the first half, we created chances. We did really well at the beginning of the second half, but we didn't win first or second balls, giving away throw-ins, which lost momentum and put pressure on us. Should have come away with a point and not lost the game. Execution and decision-making wasn't always there. Not a bad performance, just a below-par one. Agua and McCurdy are both injured. McCurdy has a problem with his quad and will need a week's rest. Aguilar turned his ankle but should be back within a few days or his days as opposed to weeks. And Anthony Grant, finally, he will need to quarantine. Um, so he misses the Northampton Town game on September 18th, which is frustrating as he'll miss four games. Okay, well, the, the, the first thing that really sort of got my attention in, in Ben Garner's post-match, which I think, again, yet again, was quite fair from him. The fact that he he, he thought Port Vale deserved it. I think from pre-game was why McCurdy wasn't in the squad. And I love this about McCurdy, that he's becoming this renegade master, this, this maverick, Dan, where if he's not in the squad, we assume something's gone wrong. Um, but they're insisting it's, it's an injury, um, which is a shame because I'm sure he would have liked to have played Port Vale today. Yeah, I think it's living proof that if you wear flip-flops and socks, you're going to trip over things. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? A quad injury, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, not entirely a surprise. He was unattached in the summer, not done a full preseason, played quite a lot. So, yeah, I mean, what you are seeing anyway is a, a management team working with the physio room, trying to, you know, pick up on little niggly injuries and give people a week off when appropriate so that it doesn't become a, a big problem injury. And, we, and we've had enough of them with um, the Ben Wills of the Swindon squad, Jordan Lydon, um, just been out for practically 14 months, it seems. Um, and Baudry too. So, yeah, I'm not too upset with that one. And uh, who was the other one? Aguiar, wasn't it? Yeah. Slight knock for the week. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably cost him a place on the bench, perhaps, maybe not. Ben, we're, I mean, we, within the pod, we're, we're huge fans of McCurdy. We like his vibe. Where do you where do you stand with him? No, I'm fully with it. The, I'm not sure about the um, flip-flops and socks, but everything about uh, McCurdy's general vibe is... It's quite fun. His new song, uh, Steven Age, I heard for the first time, was, was quite nifty as well. So, big fan of that. But uh, I think he's going to get on many people's nerves over the course of the season just to his, uh, his sort of lackadaisical approach. And uh, I get very big Kesh Anderson vibes from him where he's very good at carrying the ball. And then when he gets to the final third, it gets a bit muddly. But uh, yeah, I'm, look- I'm looking forward to uh, some fun um, from him. But getting back to the, uh, the Kesh Anderson sort of vibes, I remember the, the Carlisle game where he was a general havoc and uh, during my halftime lead break, a Carlisle journalist uh, came in and said that Harry McKinney's looking uh, lively, but he has very much reverted to type in the sense of him, uh, like I said earlier, being a good ball carrier and then getting a bit wrong once he gets to the, uh, the edge of the box. But um, hopefully we can have some fun for him this season uh, for outside the football pitch as well as on it. Ben, we're going to need to know what that song is. It was it was just like uh, Harry McCurdy runs down the wing for me, but I haven't got the uh, exact tune. Ask anyone that was at Stevenage that uh, is allowed back into football grounds and uh, you'll get a better response from them rather than me. You're still a coward. Oh, yeah, big time. I'm not singing <laughs> on the podcast. I've, I've, I've missed being on the podcast, but not, not, not that much. I'm willing to sing on it. So uh, another time, maybe. Anthony Grant has been confirmed as in quarantine, which, you know we shouldn't be shocked mm. with. I certainly not surprised by this. And I, I said on a previous pod that I think we're going to be without him for a little while. That's been confirmed. He misses Northampton. I'm, I'm willing to let this ride, but it's a huge loss for us, isn't it? It certainly is. Um, I just, uh, you know, as much as life and football has got back to some form of normality, there's just the odd reminder like this, that, you know, things still got a little bit of a way to go. Um, so, yeah, frustrating, you know, for Grant having one international window away. It's going to cost him four Swindon Town games, which, you know, when it looked like we were losing him in the summer and so chuffed to get him back. Um, yeah, it's just a bit frustrating because until Leiden's fit, I don't think there's a like-for-like replacement for Grant who gives you the same bite, same physicality. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pain. It's a pain, but we'll we'll see him back for, for Colchester on the 25th. And who knows, the rest might do him a little bit of good. I, yeah, I, I don't I, think he's been stellar for Swindon this season, by the way. Sounds like he's been better for Jamaica than than town. So, yeah, maybe a week off, fresh legs, and then uh, come back in and see, see what happens. Would you agree with that, Ben? Yeah, I, I think he's been okay in spells but he's definitely not quite um 2019-20 Grant yet but I, I don't think he's uh 2020-21 Grant either because that was a real shadow from what we saw under Wellens. I think he was half fit for the entire season given that he had a lot of injuries and was rushed back and uh he basically had no other midfield players during the first couple of months of the season he had to play every game so and being married being managed by Sheridan never helps anyone so I think he's getting back they're slowly to to his best, but he's certainly a way off from two years ago. Right, it's time for listeners' contributions. We'll start with Jack Tanner, who said, "Who was it that said on the preview pod we always beat them at home?" Not not guilty, Your Honour. Wardy S said, "Poor today, but enough chances to have got something." Out of it, not having a proven striker will cost us points this season. At least three times the ball rolled across the six-yard box. Hope I'm wrong. Gilbert, man of the match, for what it's worth, really need to improve in the final third. Steve Armand says, totally deserved defeat today. Vale have written the book on how to beat the town. One, bully him off the ball. Two, press high, make Wallacott 
kick aimlessly up the pitch for big defenders to collect. And three, take long throw-ins to get the ball into the town box. Simple. Pete Marsh says, man of the match, Simpson for the goal and the near miss, which is great skill. The first 15 minutes showed that the town were found lacking in their passing game. Midfield lacked shape, crying out for Grant with Williams and Payne too similar. Why take Gilbert off, um, who had been the main threat? Rob says, poor performance as a team and individually. Fact is that luck has been on our side a few times this season, which has papered over the cracks. We should improve, but not near where we want to be based on today's performance. Swindon Town Central says second best for the entire 90 minutes. Thought Gladwin was really lazy today. As soon as we lost the midfield battle, leaks were going to happen. Leggett says bullied, punched, elbowed, kicked and scammed out of a decent game. Vell were time-wasting game management from the 16th minute. Stronger ref cutting down on time-wasting from the start and it's a different game. Likewise, their physical play, awful to watch, on to the next. Also, how we got four yellow cards and they got zero is beyond me. Wildly inconsistent refereeing. Not sure how we couldn't see what was going on right in front of him. Kirk Simon says, annoying loss, draw possibly a fair result. Unlucky for Simpson, the bar denying him an absolute worldie. Very, very poor referee and not convinced of Gladwin in a deeper role. But important to keep perspective on these things as they happen. Look how far we've come in such a short space of time. Neil McLaughlin says, very frustrated by the constant bat passes. Simpson, a very obvious man of the match and very excited by Gilbert. Stephen Watts said it was a bad day at the office, really. Could see we were missing Grant today, but time-wasting Port Vale were better of the two teams. Philip Holloway, Vale did their homework on us and we did not reciprocate. Maybe we chose not to. Desperately needed the strength and nous of Grant today and we would have avoided defeat. There will be a lot of teams like Vell at the county ground this season and we need to learn fast on how to handle them. Craig Clark with Vell wanted it more. Town second to everything, but Simpson's effort off the bar goes in and we go on to win the game. Learn fast and move on quickly. Man of the match, probably Gilbert. Oh, and the referee should never ref above National League again. Craig Barnes calls that the reality check a certain portion of fans needed. Modfather79 says, we got what we deserve today. Looked tired from the start. Simpson was the only one that performed. Port Vale formation left us exposed on the left-hand side and we did nothing to change it. Matt says, defend properly and we still get something out of that game. That's the biggest disappointment for me. Ref, Veil game management, all frustrating. Also, how bad was Rodney's forearm smash on Critchlow? So late, everyone missed it. Martin Crook says it was a bad day at the office and just didn't get going. We look laboured and need to be quicker with the ball. Port Vale didn't want to play and referee was poor. We lack height as well. Still, we will get better and another good attendance. Connor Mountford says, poor first half, decent second half. Vale came with a game plan to disrupt us, playing out the back, and we had no idea what to do when we went long. However, the referee didn't help. Seems I say that every week. Michael Benke says, the few positives was Simpson, who was man of the match, and Gilbert, but overall a poor day. We need to get smarter against teams like Port Vale, who had the ref in their pocket from the start, and learn how to step up the tempo when needed. Also, I like Rob Hunt, but we need a left-footed left-back, given how we play. Ryan Clifford called it a poor performance, way too narrow, reminds me too much of Luke Williams' ball at home, so easy to defend against. Red Dave says the game changed when Johnny Williams went off. We lost our creativity and a lot of the midfield went missing. Kessler Hayden was his man of the match. Jamie Townsend said they outplayed us and deserved a win. Wallacott and Simpson were good. Simpson, man of the match. Mr. Jason agrees and says Tyree Simpson was man of the match. Tyler's running, scored and looked good throughout, albeit sometimes as a frustrated figure with slow play and poor balls. Rich B says, despite the result, clear that Johnny Williams and Alex Gilbert have the keys to unlock pack defences at this level. Could have won that on another day, but Vale probably edged it overall. Time-wasting, gamesmanship, ref, and our passing, all frustrating. 
Adam Cowley also highlights the uh, gamesmanship in League Two, and he's fed up of it. It's ruined two of the three games that he's seen this season, time-wasting from the first minute. Matthew Kilford says, Vell are a smart outfit, but the second half they were there for the taking until we made our changes. Quite a few fans not liking Rob Hunt, quite simply. He's a right footer, so will always naturally come backwards or inside. Gilbert is a special talent who can beat a player nearly every time, a must starter. Simpson, like so many have said, just needs more support. I'm hoping for a chance in formation to help help us with a plan B playing out the back will work if if we mix it up with strategic long balls Sean Anthony says that it felt like we were playing with a hangover and couldn't quite get going had everything we needed to win but it didn't quite happen with Tyree Simpson as man of the match Paul Temple says that he thought that it would occur before long we were out muscled unfortunately we are not a big side and put our foot in But today we need to move the ball quicker to overcome the physical nature of the opposition. Man of the match, Gilbert, who looks class. And finally, Simon, who says, insert expletive for the referee. And we just weren't good enough over the 90 minutes, though. Simpson getting better with every game. Looking forward to Williams playing 90 minutes soon. Gladwin looked a little fitter, but not the finished article. There's, I mean, plenty here about performances and something that is growing is this, again, disdain for Ben Gladwin. Honeymoon period, definitely over from him and the noises inside the ground. I mean, Terry was saying that the sort of, I think he, he commented during the game whilst at the county ground that people really don't like Ben Gladwin. What's to be done with this? Well, let's not forget what's happened in the time that well, between when we last saw Ben Gladwin and now, you know, there have been some serious injuries which have clearly taken their toll. Uh, he is 29 now, just about to turn 30, right? Or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. So that's going to have an effect too. Um, released by a League One club and we've picked him up as sort of one of our early bits of, of summer transfer business. So I, I, I suggest this probably just needs a, a recalibration of our expectations of Ben Gladwin, perhaps. Um, I, as I touched on earlier, I don't think we played him in the right place today. I don't think he has the game to play in that sort of deep playmaker role next to Reed because neither he nor Reed are a spoiler. Um, Reed reads the game well and gets in the way quite often but there's no physical spoiler in there which again we've already touched on Grant being missing so I don't think today Gladwin was given the best opportunity to be to be great but actually I've called it a couple of times there were some lovely diagonal balls over the top today one in the first half which uh, led to the Kessler Hayden chance cleared off the line There was the one over the top to Gilbert, which he put back across goal and Payne couldn't quite get on the end of, as well as Gladwin's contribution to the the build-up to the goal. So I don't think he's quite as bad as people are making out. I think what you get here is, you know, people have got it in their minds that Gladwin hasn't quite been as good. And so they're leaping upon, you know, every tiny misplaced pass, every poor first touch. I think he was particularly poor today in the first 10 or 15 minutes. He did tidy it up. And he was better, better after that. But still, you know, maybe we've got back with a, the old flame and she's now a bit tubsy around the edges. She's not quite, she doesn't quite make you laugh like she used to. Um, <laughs> but in our mind, she's still the same girl we loved back in 2014, 15. That's terrible, Dan. That's awful. Oh boy, moving swiftly on. Um, Ben, <laughs> Rob Hunt on the left discuss because he's not he's not winning people over. I don't think he's a left back, but he was perfectly suitable to it and under Wellens when Caddis was playing. So I think without being excruciatingly boring in take, I think he's playing the worst side now than he was two years ago. Um, like no one was saying he couldn't do it 18 months ago. And, and so, you know, he, he can do it, but it's clearly not his natural position, but I don't think there's anything to read too deeply into. I think, again, it's one of those things 
this made worse by an incredibly threadbare squad when the only other alternative really at left back is Iandolo, who Ben Garner doesn't see as a left back and sees Iandolo as a centre mid. So this this is a team due to circumstance of the summer and and beyond that is low on numbers and therefore players are going to suffer. We're going to have, you know, a midfield that doesn't have much bite because you've only got two defensive midfielders, both of which have their injury problems. Um, we're going to have problems at left back because we only have one left back. So it's uh, it's not ideal, but I don't think it can be helped until Ghana explores the free agent market. But from what I can gather from his press conferences, he doesn't seem to be in a rush to do that. One last point on on the contribution um, the contributions of listeners mm-hmm. and thank you for all of those is something that ben mentioned earlier where it's kind of tied in with that that you know there was shades of the luke williams era here and a lot of people also saying that you know paul Val outplayed us but crucially they knew they did their, their game plan they did their research their game plan worked on swindon and maybe that there's this worry that Swindon are too easy um, to predict. Is that is that a concern going forward that, you know, it's it's not hard to figure out what we're going to do? Yeah, so from what I've seen, and I think I've watched live four games now and a, another couple on I follow, I think where team or when teams press us very high up the pitch, I'm yet to see a convincing plan B. Um, and I, I still maintain we are a central striker short, at least in this squad, because Gilbert is clearly a, someone who plays off the left wing or plays, you know, in that sort of number 10 position behind the striker. And we've got plenty of others as well. You know, Williams, Payne, Gladwin, Parsons. Uh, I'm sure I've missed some in there. McCurdy, you know, uh, when we do the, the long ball up to Simpson, he's not, as good in the air as his size suggests, um, he's actually a lot better into feet and into chest where he can use use his sort of big frame to guard the ball and then try and roll people, which he did a couple of times today beautifully. So uh, it's not something you can fix unless you're going to dip into the transfer market in terms of personnel. Does that mean we might be looking to fix that issue in January? Or have we just got to do plan A better? That's something... Terry and me discussed at half-time in the, our row with the Don Rogers. It's not necessarily the way we're playing. This We've just got to play better. You know, you've got too many guys under par in that first half. Um, and if we if we were good enough to get through that initial Port Vale press, there, there could and should have been lots of room for our attacking players to prosper beyond that. But I think full credit to Port Vale, they were just like a pack of dogs just at Swindon, at our heels, all, all game from what I saw, just very little time and space on the ball. And Swindon, not quite good enough consistently to turn that into you know, stacks of chances. You know, their keeper realistically has only had to make a couple of good saves, one against the crossbar too. So, no, that will be quite an interesting one to watch as the, as the weeks go on and could be interesting if it's a harsh winter too um, and pitches get worse because certainly the way Ben Garner's teams like to play, um, reminiscent of Luke Williams' teams, um, you know, that, you know, your Newport aways on sand are going to be... We are the boys of summer. We are the boys of summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Ben, do you have anything to add to that or would you agree with Dan? Not really. I think it's going to be a, a tough season for you guys on the podcast because I think this is a really boring season for Swindon discourse purely because like it's it's so hard to evaluate this team of where they should be, what are they doing? Should they sign more players because you know have we got the money for it or are we allowed to do it by football league regulations? And and yeah, I think it's just such a hard Swindon team to analyse and, and talk about because like I said, the, the expectations are non-existent. I think most people took 22nd back in July, if even, even if we were still a football club. And now you sign some a lot of good players, which people think should we be kicking around the playoffs and the seventh at the time of recording. But then while we have good players, it's also a very thin squad. So if two or three of them get injured, then you're relying on, you know, kids in the academy and, and Harry Parsons and Mo Dabre, who, you know, no one's ever heard of, and Ricky Aguiar, who came from Worthing. So, you know, it's just, it's such a hard uh, swim team to talk about and, and analyse because we don't really know 
not what's going on, that's not the right phrase, but there's, there's so much work that needs to be done to this side from, from Jonas and Ghana. And they probably need about five or six in the free agent market. But like I said, Ghana doesn't really seem key on it. I think during the summer, a lot of people were expecting, you know, 10 signings a day because of the, the amount of activity that's been needs to be doing. But it never really happens because I think Ghana's in a rush to just sign players for the sake of it. He wants players that suit him and, and that leads to him not really being keen to, to rush to sign players. And, and likewise, in the free agent market, he doesn't want to sign another three players that the men need about three or four weeks to get match fit when his team isn't match fit yet anyway, because they've had no pre-season. So, yeah, it's really hard to, to offer any sort of insightful comment on, on what Sundan are doing or what they should be doing going forward. Yeah, it's a really interesting point that, that Ben raised then. You know, the HMS Piddle League 2 does tend to turn into a ghost ship every now and again. But I think why, Dan, this is quite frustrating to a lot of fans is because it's almost tantalising. We can see that this squad is very close to being serious challenges. And, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom in, in the in the listeners' contributions. There were shout-outs, plenty of shout-outs for Johnny Williams and Alex Gilbert. So there's lots of promise there, but it just feels like sometimes you just feel like, oh, just there's this one obvious or two obvious positions. And if you just, you know, that money tree just gives us a little bit more. <laughs> then it's going to be it's going to be the, the dream sort of season after everything that we've gone through but again we just have to be realistic and the podcast has gone from you know just stay in the division um which you know we had every right to have that when that we had eight players to well clearly this this team is almost certainly not going to be down there but we've not committed to full-on you know expectancies of the playoffs you know we could if if it goes our way but we are just so close and maybe we just have to wait to January and see where we're at but I can see why people get frustrated yeah and just as you've been talking there Rich I've, I've just been looking down the team sheet for today and we must remember we are only seven games in in the league that today, if you, you know, if you call Cambridge away a draw, which it was over ninety minutes, that's only our second defeat in ninety minutes this season, um, both at home to Carlisle and today to, to Port Vale. And you know there are jigsaw pieces which are still settling into place. So you know Johnny Williams' uh, first start today for Swindon Town, you would anticipate he's only going to get fitter and better. Gilbert, on loan from Brentford, first league start today. Backed himself on an assist, looked bright. Grant in isolation, he'll come back in. Hopefully Leiden will pass his physio MOT and will become an asset to the squad because I think that's going to add a lot to this side. Not necessarily to the first 11 straight away, but to the match day 18, having Leiden as a a fit replacement um, is going to add a lot of depth. Um, So, yeah... we mustn't get two down in defeat. And that could easily have been a 2-2 draw today. We're still seventh in the table. There's still people settling in after this weird summer of no no preseason or an abridged preseason. You know, another one off the bench, Mitchell Lawson. Um started in the week, played 60 minutes. He's played 22, 25 minutes today. So, you know, we are we are behind. It's a, it's, there's no doubt about that, but as the weeks go by, I, I still anticipate this Swindon Town side is going to do do well. And when I say do well, I think we're going to at least be pushing for the top seven. I think January is already looking like quite an important month in the sense that I, I still think we need a centre forward. I still oh, still would would like one more defender um, just to probably a fullback just to patch things up there. But I don't don't think the fact we have got quite a lean squad is a big problem, really. What I saw against Arsenal in the week, some guys who played rather well, actually, you know, Dabre, uh, Aguiar, East looks a good player to me. Um, He's a bit stuck behind Reed, actually. Both quite similar. And I think Karna's only going to play one and that's probably going to be Reed. So um, I would say East is a, is a pretty canny little player. Um, no, I, I'm not too worried. I'm, I, I think I'm talking myself into being fairly positive to, despite defeat today. 
as yeah. frustrating as it is. No, and rightly so. I think that's fair. And um, you know, this will happen. <laughs> we can we can mm. uh, expect. Although you know, I think what was that four points out of a possible twelve at home so far this season. So if if things improve when uh, Mr. Morfuni returns to the batting nets of Sydney, then you know he doesn't have <laughs> to come back in December. Good luck doing outdoor exercise in Australia at the minute for longer than an hour. Yeah, quite. Okay. Um, Man of the match then, Ben. So, I mean, it's pretty clear to me that Tyree Simpson was the listener's man of the match. But who was your man of the match, Benjamin? Uh, Simpson also got the sponsors. Uh, I will disagree and go for Gilbert. I think he was a real nuisance. Obviously got the assist. Um, And then he almost scored... (laughs) 30 seconds after, uh, suddenly got the level of a, a brilliant shot that was saved. And after he did a couple of uh, jinx past a couple of defenders, which is nice. And I, I just generally thought everything Tinder were doing going forward, Gilbert was normally at the heart of it. But uh, sponsors normally go for goal scorers. Um, fans normally better, but uh, apparently uh, they've gone for the goal scorer today as well. But I will go slightly more hipster, but not hipster in the slightest by going for the assister and generally headache, uh, Gilbert. I'm going to lean towards Simpson. Actually, Gilbert was pretty good. Williams in patches, pretty good. Payne tried his best. Bit of a frustrating afternoon for him, really. But yeah, Tyrese, if you look at his contribution to the side, say, took his goal well, nearly scored goal of the month. And um, his sort of work rate and endeavour right to the end in blocking that clearance, winning the free kick, you know. I I think Simpson Simpson deserved better today. Simpson will get it from us, Ben. A compelling argument, but I'm going to go with the listeners on this one. And there we have it. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers, Rich. Cheers, Ben. The Lowe Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.